Welcome to The Wayfinder Show with Adam Lacey and Luis Hernandez, where guests discuss the why and how of making changes in their life that led them down a greater, more authentic path or allowed them to level up in some area of their life. Our goal is to dig deep and provide not only knowledge, but actionable advice to help you get from where you are to where you want to be. Come join us and find the way to your dream life. Welcome back to The Wayfinder Show with Adam and Luis. Today, I'd like to introduce you to Josh Bove. Josh worked in the financial services industry for 17 years before setting off on his own entrepreneurial journey. Josh is a husband and a proud father of two young girls. He's also a real estate investor, an entrepreneur, and a bunch of other things that we'll get into. Josh, man, welcome aboard. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. So I'd like to start off, you know, obviously I gave just kind of a quick bullet point rundown. You want to let us dive into your past, tell your story wherever you want to start, and we'll go from there. Yeah, I feel like my story is very much like many other people's stories. Um, you know, growing up, I I lived in a, a great house. I I had, you know, two supportive parents. I had two younger sisters. Um, everybody just trying to survive. You know, the, both parents were working. Uh, everybody was busy. Everybody was involved in sports and other activities, and. I feel like <clears throat> that caused my parents to to have not uh, not a ton of time to really teach the lessons that I I think I would have wanted to learn. You know, they were they were just hanging on by a by a thread, and so what came of that was you know a lot of scarcity and fear type mindset. Uh, you know, lessons that I learned like. You know, be grateful that somebody gives you a job, work at a, at a job for 40, 50 years, save as much money as you can, and then hope for retirement at the end of that. And I always felt like that didn't that didn't ring true to me, that, that like there there had to be a different way. I didn't know what way that was. I didn't know what that looked like, but I I rebelled. Uh, quite consistently against, you know, just the, just having that that path is like the only path to live life. Because I, I mean, what I also saw was, you know, one of the first lessons that I learned about earning money and and careers in corporate America is not only do you work at a job for 40, 50 years, but you hate it and you're absolutely miserable at it. And so I was like, you know. I, if if this is what corporate America and having a career and moving up the corporate ladder looks like, I don't want it. But but somewhere along the way, I lost the will to fight against it. Um, yeah, you know, your own identity, uh, probably in a way, right? You you kind of let your identity <laughs> slip into the the corporate handcuffs in a way. Yeah, but but yeah, I mean, along the way, it's like you know, through society and teachers and parents and everybody telling me the essentially the same lesson of 40, 50 years, save as much as you can, deprive yourself of, you know, vacations and the good life and all that kind of stuff in the hopes of when you're in your 60s being able to retire. These were all adults telling me this as a child. And I didn't have the mental horsepower at that point to really revolt against them and say, no, there is a better way to do it. And so at some point, I just complied. I, I you know, I, I gave up fighting against it. 
And slowly but surely, I end up getting sucked into their narrative and, you know, their, their way of living. And so I found myself going to college, getting a master's degree, which getting my master's degree was just taking on additional debt, didn't give me any, any added benefit whatsoever. But then I, I went into banking and, you know, I, I was in mortgages for a little bit and uh, mortgage sales um, more appropriately, and that wasn't for me. So then I moved over to corporate banking, which I spent 17 years at. And the first company that, that I worked for, it was, it was amazing because I got along with the people. I didn't necessarily love the work, but I, I loved the people that I worked with. And it was, I mean, for the first 10 years, it was just a huge party. But then after roughly about the 10 year mark, you know, corporate America turned on me. I, I was moving up the corporate ladder. I was relatively close to the top of the organization that I was at. And I started looking around and I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. And like, I, I'm looking at the, like the next people that, you know, that were about to retire or whose positions that, that I was in line to take and seeing all the bullshit that they were dealing with. And I'm like, you know, those lessons back to when I was a kid of my father, you know, moving up his corporate ladder and him being miserable and bitching about his work all the time and all that kind of stuff, all that, all those lessons came back to me. And I was like, yeah, I need to figure something else out. I didn't know what what I was going to do. I didn't know what could come next. But I knew in the back of my head, something had to change. So then what popped, popped into my head was the idea of change and fear and scarcity and being able to provide for my family. And I, I found myself falling into this pattern of, you know, sticking at where I was. And just, you know, mentally telling myself, I'll just push through it because, you know, I had all these limiting thoughts in my head. Like I wasn't going to be able to get another job making what I was making. Uh, I couldn't do anything differently. You know, I was stuck in banking. I was stuck in corporate America. I was, you know, I just kept on giving me, giving myself all these reasons why I couldn't go branch out and do anything else. And, and so for the next seven, uh, seven years, stayed in banking. I switched jobs once and, and just found myself in the same exact situation in that next job that I was at the previous, you know, just dissatisfied, wanting something different, wanting to get out of, out of corporate America. And then October 13th of 2022, things came to a head with that employer and they let me go. They, they eliminated my position uh, technically. But for for two years prior to me being let go, I had not agreed with the corporate strategy. So you can that can only go on for so long before the employer makes a decision to get rid of that person. And and so they made the the decision to to eliminate my position. So for the past four months, I had already been working on uh, business acquisition at the time of me being let go. And just the way it worked out was I was let go on a Thursday. And by that following Monday, I got a, a lawn landscaping company under contract. And I've been under contract now for four months. 
trying to close the stand thing. <laughs> I think um, if everything goes as, as planned, we should close on, on Friday, this coming Friday, February 24th. Congratulations. Um, That's great, man. Thank you. So how do you feel about that? You juiced? I feel great. I mean, good. you know, I've uh, prior to banking, I had worked in, I had worked for a landscaper. I had, I had done some bricklaying, you know, I, I, I worked for a moving company for many years. I, I, I like manual labor. Um, and so I'm, I'm excited about that aspect of owning this business. Um, but really in the end, I'm, I'm hoping to fill a position in the company where I'm working more on the business rather than in the business. You know, I'm, I'm willing to help out and get my hands dirty whenever I, whenever it's necessary to do so. I think my skills are uh, more beneficial for the company to be working on rather than in the business. Yeah. And, and so I'm, I'm excited for that. And, you know, just going into the business acquisition with that thought process, you know, I, I'm, I'm excited for the growth potential that that mindset brings to the business. So over the past four months, I've been under contract, but I've gone through a, a ton of mindset shifts and, you know, fear and anxiety just about, you know, not having a job, not being employed, all of a sudden not having a, you know, multi six figure salary and just, you know, having to, to suck out all of our savings, not all of our savings, but, um, you know, live off of our savings bit by bit on a monthly basis. You know, within this time, it's I've I've gone through a number of, you know, I've waffled on the deal just basically, just purely out of fear. I've also wanted to turn back to the dark side and say, you know, look, I'll just go back into corporate America because it's easier, it's comfortable. I I know I'll make you know X amount of money, all that kind of stuff, but. It, wasn't until about 45 days ago that I just kind of looked around and I was like, I'm never going back. Why would I go back? It's like, right. I, I've i been wishing for so long to get out of corporate America. Now I'm out. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I got to figure this out. I got to figure out how I never have to go back again. And so you, so you got to a point where your company for good or bad, gave you the nudge to get you over the edge and they eliminated your position. Yeah. Were you thinking actively about quitting anyway? Or where were you at mentally before the uh, before you were let go? You know, something was working on my behalf because I had three different job opportunities that I thought for sure I was going to get. One was going back to my old company Another was was just uh, a series of interviews that I went on that I, I thought went well. And then same situation with the third. And with the third company, I I had scheduled I had a call scheduled with, with who would have been my boss on on that Monday of the week that I was let go. And I fully thought that this the scheduled call with the uh, with my soon to be boss that I thought was so that he could offer me a position and so that we could hash out salary and all that kind of stuff. 
and he called me to tell me that some that the company hired somebody over him and so that he was moving into the position that I was interviewing for. Oh. And and I was like, you've got to be kidding me. I'm like, I, I'm I'm on my way out of this company and you know, something intervenes. And then so I we get off the call, you know, it, that guy and I actually still talk. Um we're on good terms. But then three days later I was let go. And I feel like if I wasn't let go from my last job, if I would have just moved over to another corporate America job. Who knows what would be going on with this lawn landscaping company at this point, but I would just be starting the cycle all over again. I'd be in the honeymoon phase with another company. You know, all of a sudden corporate America may not seem that bad. I might have second guessed the acquisition, may have second guessed the path that I'm on right now. So something was working on my, in my favor to not allow me to get another job, which I, yeah. I'm grateful for. I mean, I, th- I think you could argue that even the timing was working in your favor because uh, who would want to buy a new business in, in lawn maintenance in the middle of winter, right? I mean, you got, you're going to be closing end of February going into March. I mean, you, you, you couldn't ask for better timing now. You know, but yeah. imagine starting and having to pay all those bills for that company during through winter when you got no business, right? So it sounds like somebody's looking out for you. Yeah, it's when I reflect on that, it just it kind of gives me chills. I, I just, yeah, you know, I I've always been the type to just use self will and and push and push and push, and which I was doing, but none of it was working. It was yeah, like, <laughs> I, I kept on I kept on getting turned away. Yeah. And and so I I do think that this happened for a reason, but just just to go back to just one last uh, I guess bigger topic that I, I didn't mention is back probably starting in 2012 2000 um, yeah 2012 at the tail end of 2012 was right about when I started to open up my eyes to the to the life that I was living and and not really liking everything that I saw and not really liking the trajectory and and the fact that I I wasn't what I understand now. I didn't understand it back then, but I wasn't living my life by design. I fell into a drug and alcohol addiction um, from the end of 2012 until the beginning of 2015. And it was a rough time. And I, I think I really always had, ever since I found drinking, I really always had a, a drinking problem. But what was different about this particular time is I, I also had a, a cocaine issue, which it completely makes sense to me why I gravitate towards that drug. Because, you know, from there were a number of factors. So what I'm going to mention right now isn't the only factor, but it, it makes complete sense why I gravitate towards that drug because, you know, it, it, you know, you use it and you feel alive. Like it peps you up. It, it causes you to experience your senses and, and to become alive, you know, for the, the period that you're actually using it. And I feel like through fear and scarcity and these lessons that I had learned from people growing up about, you know, essentially how to mute your life all the way through life, through corporate America, through saving money, through all that, all those lessons that I learned, that it was like, 
that drug caused me to come alive, you know, for that period in time. And during that time, it was like every time that I used it, it was an escape from, you know, the life that, uh, quite frankly, I didn't want to, I, would, I didn't want to keep living any longer. And so, you know, I, I started using slowly at first, but then as time went on, it was multiple times a week, every week for, for a long time. And, you know, right about the time that I, I quit, our first daughter was born. And, you know, it really, things had come to a head anyways. But really it was her being born and me coming, you know, face to face with, you know, the lessons I had learned growing up and, you know, some of the, the addiction that I had around my life as a kid and not wanting any of that to be involved in my daughter's life. You know, that she was definitely one of the main reasons why I, uh, why I finally quit, which coincidentally, I'm celebrating eight years and three days. Congratulations. Crazy to say. Thank you. Yeah. Kudos. Yeah. That's great. Man. I glossed so, over that at first, but yeah, I, I think that's, that's a meaningful piece to all of this. So it was 2012 when you started using, or was that when something changed and it just got to the point where you considered it really bad? Really, the first time I had used cocaine was when I was 19, and and that was purely recreational. I I didn't have any thinking back to it. I didn't have any you know addictive type pulls to it at that point. I probably did go through an addictive phase with cocaine in 2005, uh, 2005/2006, but I was able to get out of it pretty quickly. When I went back to it in 2012. Uh, I don't know, something changed. And, yeah. you know, having learned a lot about addiction over the uh, over the past quite a few years, um, I understand now that the disease of addiction is progressive. And so once you open Pandora's box, there's no, you know, there's no closing it. And it just strengthens with time. Mm-hmm. But I, I assume that that's what happened in 2012. I had just, I had toyed around with it too much in 2012 I, I was just off to the races pretty quickly after i started at that point do you consider yourself having been a, a functional addict or did you get yourself in some trouble too uh i never got in trouble i don't know yeah. how but yeah i mean i was getting raises i was getting promotions outwardly i was successful it's i mean it's crazy now to think about it but yeah it was fully functioning so how yeah. did you quit? Obviously, you had a big moment coming up with your daughter being born, but was it really just like, oh, shoot, I'm about to be a dad, I'm going to turn off the faucet, and that was it? Or was there some kind of process you went from identifying, I need to quit, to the point where you actually did? I feel like in every addict story, that it, there's like a straw that broke, broke the camel's back type situation. Right. And in, in mine, it was, I started coming clean to my wife. October 1st, I remember October 1st of 2014, because she finally called me out on exactly what was going on. And at that point, like, I, I was done with the lies. I was done with the BS. I was done with the stress. I just came out to her and I, I just told her what was going on. And then after that, I slowly started telling my friends what was going on. 
and then I was isolating from them and, and largely from my wife at the time too. So people knew something was going on, but people really didn't know, you know, the extent of what was going on. And so as I started telling people around me or my close friends what was going on, all of a sudden, any slip up that I had, if I went disappearing, if, you know, anything that they observed in my behavior that seemed off, it was like, all of a sudden, they like, they call, they would, they would call me out on it. And so basically what I did at that point was I, I, I boxed myself in by telling everybody what was going on. And so that made it harder for me to continue. And I feel like the, the added stress that, that caused on me as, as an addict really got me to a point where I was ready to, to just be done with it. I, I had a, I was at a, the very last night that I used, I was at a party, people were drinking. My friend's wife was just completely hammered and I disappeared the night before. And she came up to me and got in my face, you know, started yelling at me, telling me that she knew what I did the night before. And, and my friend's dad came up to us and was like, are you guys okay? You seems like you're fighting. And like just the whole stress of the situation and her getting in my face and my friend dead, potentially knowing what I was doing and all that kind of stuff. I was just like, screw this. I'm done. And it might sound small and, and trivial in, in the big scheme of things, but so many things had led up to that point where it was like, that was the straw that broke the camel's back where I'm like, I'm done. I'm, I'm, you know, we have a daughter this is going on for way too long. And, and so I think two days later was my first Narcotics Anonymous meeting that I went to. And I, I never left. Um, mm-hmm. I started going six days a week, probably went six days a week for two years, and then slowly tapered back at, at, after that. And then now I'm down to one meeting a week, which I run on Monday nights in Bloomfield Hills, Michigan, about, I don't know, 10 miles away from here. But yeah, it's, I mean, Narcotics Anonymous was, was what saved me. And not just the, the meeting and the structure of the meeting, but just being able to get into a room full of people who I can identify with, who I know have been in my shoes and who've been through a lot of the same things that I've been through, which, which is going to lead into these entrepreneurial masterminds that, that we're involved with. I think of like Emerge and Ascend through GoBundance is very much like a recovery meeting. It's like people walk in to these types of masterminds and they've got fear, they've got anxiety, they've got, you know, these, these wishes to do something better for their lives. And they don't, a lot of times people don't know where to begin. They don't know where to go. They don't know how to, who to talk to. And you get into a mastermind like, like Emerge and Ascend through GoBundance. It's like you're surrounded with people who can identify with the same exact mindset, same exact fears, same exact anxieties, all that kind of stuff. And everybody is so supportive in both NA and GoBundance that it's like you have all the support that you need to move on to that next level by interacting with, with the group that you're involved with. It's very interesting how, how both of the organizations are very similar. I've never thought about it like that, but that's so true. Yeah. I mean, and even to jump off that, it's the knowledge of walking into your first AANA meeting, I'm sure, or Emerge, Ascend, 
you know, virtual call and, and being like, you're scared, you're nervous, you're entering this unknown. And then it's like, oh, shit, you all are exactly like me in, in certain yeah. ways. And not only that, but you were just like me two years ago. And now you're where I want to be two years from now. I would love to yeah. talk to you. And those people are just there. And it just it just streamlines the ability to get you from where you are to where you want to be. So I, yeah, it's, it's great. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I've had the same experience in both organizations. It's like walking into a room or a zoom call and just listening to somebody talk and people being vulnerable and talking about their shit and talking about their fears and scarcities and failures and all that kind of stuff. It's like, it's like anytime I've heard somebody talk, I can identify with something in my life or something in my experience. And so it's, it's very comforting and it allows people to put their, you know, put their guards down and, and open up about what they're struggling with. And I, I think that helps more than people actually realize just being able to be comfortable and then, and then open up themselves. Cause for me, for so long, everything had been so bottled up because there was in addiction, there was so much shame there that it was like, Everything was bottled up uh, in that sense in, in addiction. But then uh, I had a bit of a different experience with, with GoFundance in that my fears and my anxieties were bottled up because it's like they're, you know, the signs of quote unquote weakness. And then it, I, I, I had talked to Jamie Gruber quite extensively about joining Emerge first. And he told me all about it and, and it sounded great. So I joined, but what I didn't realize is that, you know, people are going to be vulnerable. People are going to be supportive. People are going to be willing to, you know, get on calls and, and work through an issue or whatever. And it's like, I, I felt the same relief that I did in recovery, uh, getting into, uh, GoFundance or getting into Emerge. Do you feel more confident now? because you've been so vulnerable and, and, and transparent, I guess, with all of your addiction and everything out to everybody? I feel more comfortable. I, comfortable. Um, I don't, uh, the, the word confident probably applies. What, what I would say I feel is more authentic because I don't the way I am it's if if I can't be completely transparent and authentic with somebody I don't feel well I I feel off I feel like I I can't come to a, an interaction or an experience as the authentic me and so so part of my process of, of stepping into myself is to be transparent and and so just being uh, open and honest about addiction and, you know, some of the uh, fears and anxieties that I've had because of corporate America or entrepreneurship, you know, has, has allowed me to to come out as the authentic me that I've never been able to before. Yeah, I, I only ask because, you know, we Adam and I just started this podcast and we've interviewed, uh, I don't know, 10 people or so now, uh, maybe a little less, but there seems to be some recurring themes with uh the folks you know we, we we're drawn to you and want you on as our guest because you're you're a massive action taker you're successful and you and you've had struggles and you overcame them and but it, it seems to be that people don't where, where they really start to shine is when they start to become 
to to show their vulnerabilities and be transparent, show you know become more authentic, and then that leads to some confidence and some success. It seems to just just what we're seeing, yeah. and, it, and it isn't just you know. Obviously, we've had a lot of GoBundance folks on there because we we know we're in it and and we we seem to have some, but not everybody has been on GoBundance and it still is the same thing. Same thing with uh, some of the folks That's we've interviewed with addiction. Same 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 thing. Some of them were in NA or AA and some of them were not. But um, but the the those those qualities once they um, once they take them on and 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 really make them like a core value for them, then then it just seems like the success rate just goes through the moon, right? That makes sense. I mean, it's, you know, like, like I started with, I wasn't authentically allowed to be myself as a child because of all these other lessons that I was learning or things that were being pushed on to me. So I, I kind of operated through life of here's who society wants me to be. And then who's, who's, uh, this is who I really am. And, you know, who I really am, you know, kind of went underground a bit because it's like, I can't show this, I can't show this real me, um, you know, um, society, I can't act like that for my, my parents, my family, my school, other, other people in society, you know, people tell me I'm crazy because I have these ideas of owning a business or, you know, I, I, I have these, uh, these ideas of doing something risky, but which not being able to show my authentic self or, or learning that I can't show my authentic self as a, as a child was unfortunately the perfect training ground for addiction. Hmm. Like I had to leave, I had to live a double life. I had to, I had to have a part of myself, you know, only be uh, shown when I wanted to be shown or I had to go out and act on certain things that I wanted to do away from everybody else or with a select few, you know, friends or other people. And so, unfortunately for me, having probably the addictive gene or trait, whatever there is out there that causes, that could cause uh, people to become addicted in the first place, you know, unfortunately, it was a perfect training ground for me. And I know you credit na a lot to your recovery as as you probably should i mean for one being it probably gave you that initial space even before your mastermind communities to to seek that vulnerability and really you know they i'm sure they pulled it out of you but don't discount the fact that you showed up every day six days a week for however many years and i think so i hope to god you're you're building confidence whether you admit it or not because just the discipline to show up there every fucking day and do that thing should prove to you that you know owning a landscaping company man should be easy compared to going to na every day and being vulnerable with people you don't know for seven years so congrats to you on that yeah thank you totally you know um uh, reading your bio, Josh, you you talked about going to a lot of uh, leadership and development classes, which I think all of us who who you know who are learners do. But uh, what do you? Are there any that have stood out to you that really you've gotten a lot from? Yeah, it's funny. I, I have a an interesting experience with this topic. I, I've had to go to a lot of leadership seminars, conventions, whatever through corporate America. Right. And, you know, up until 
2020 or so, all of my experience up to that point with leadership type, you know, programs were all through corporate America. I could not stand any of them. They were all just complete bullshit. It was, it was all just like, you know, you couldn't be authentic. You had to answer questions based on what the company wanted, not what the individual wanted. And I won't go into that. I, I could probably bitch about that for a half hour, but through 2020, any leadership, you know, seminar program that anybody mentioned, I just threw out the window as complete horseshit because, you know, it, it was required by a company. But then in 2021 was the first time I hired my first, uh, my first coach, my first mindset coach. And that was the first time that I had ever done anything like that for myself. And that completely changed everything. All of a sudden, I could be authentic with my coach. I could be authentic with what I wanted to do, why I wanted to do it. And a lot of what I was working on was uh, escaping corporate America. And so I, I've probably worked with seven, six or seven coaches since then. And the I went to an Ascend event through Go, uh, through GoBundance in Miami of April of 2022. And that by far was the most effective, most meaningful seminar uh, that I've, I've, leadership seminar that I've ever been to. You know, I, I think there were 17 or 18 people that attended. And of those people that I, I talked to, that, that I still talk to that went to the, the event, um, we all talk in terms of before and after Miami. Like before Miami, we had this mindset, we were operating this way, we had these ideas. And then after Miami, it, seemingly everybody that I still talk to had a massive shift. And hmm. um, it, it was run by two different coaches, Ian Lobus, uh, Aaron Velke, and then Jamie Gruber put it on. And the three of them did such a fantastic job of, you know, posing different questions, posing different scenarios, getting us to think about, uh, you know, who, who we want to be as our best selves. And it was three straight days of work on, on that topic. And it was like, I thought that it was going to be meaningful because I was going there for myself, but I didn't realize that it was going to be as meaningful as, as it actually was. So I, I guess that's an unintentional plug for abundance and, and their events, but it was by far the most meaningful, um, you know, leadership type event that I've ever been to. That's amazing. So anybody on a side note interested in learning more, we'll throw a link in the show notes or feel free to reach out to Louie or Josh or I would happy to talk more about GoBundance and Emerge Ascent. Um, so, but can you tell me, was there one big shift or a big takeaway that you felt like you got from that event in Miami? The first thing that comes to mind, I, I, I think it all revolves around having faith in my ability to figure things out and to explain a little bit more. It's, you know, I was presented with this dilemma in corporate America of all I know is banking. All I've really done is banking. I can't do anything else. And with that type of mindset, that's not, that's not coming from a faith-based mindset. That's not uh, thinking you know, 
from a standpoint of I have faith in my abilities or my faith in my, you know, learning potential of figuring out a figuring out a different industry or or uh, buying a business and running a successful business. And so part of what I walked away from with that is is the fact that I all of a sudden had faith in my myself that I could do other things. And then I married that with with the concept of, you know, any any issue that I've gotten myself into some way, somehow I've figured out a way out. I figured out a way to be successful in corporate America. I've figured out a way to be successful in, you know, in recovery and other, you know, a bunch of other different topics. So those two concepts married together. It's, it's just having faith in my ability to figure things out, open, just blew open the doors to opportunity. It, it was, it was just massive. That seminar was was a long time ago, but really it was only ten months ago. It feels like it was a lifetime ago. <laughs> so you're closing on this lawn maintenance company, hopefully soon. What else do you have plans coming in the future? So I, I business partner and myself, um, Steve Haig, uh, my business partner. Uh, we are starting a self storage investment company in. You know, the the ultimate goal with that business is obviously to invest in self-storage, but uh, a main driving goal uh, with that business is to help free people from corporate America through providing safe, good, high-returning uh, passive investments for, for others. And along that line, you know, I've my wife and I have talked about two other business ideas that that could come out of that is one, a coaching program just for people in general that want to leave corporate America, uh, just to be able to help them with their mindset and just to get them unstuck from, from the appeal of, you know, the comfort that corporate America brings. But then also my wife actually brought up uh, an, an idea of creating a, a sober entrepreneurship type coaching program where helping people who have or who are suffering from addiction um, get into entrepreneurship. And, and so I'm at the very beginning stages of thinking of, of an idea like that. So I, I don't really have a framework yet, but as, as she was talking about that, it, it made me realize that, you know, one of the reasons why I'm so drawn to recovery meetings is because of the individuals that I meet there. Everybody is so fiercely independent. Everybody's so stubborn. Everybody's so, you know, self-driven, self-willed. And it's, I, I feel like people who have experienced addiction in the past have inherently have some of the traits that it takes to become an entrepreneur in the first place. So that's, that's an idea that I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. It's, um, it's new, it's fresh. I don't have any of the details worked out, but I feel like something's there. I love that. I think that's yeah. a awesome idea. Thanks to your Thank wife. You. Cause I'm sure you were going to help tons of people going forward with that. So keep us posted on that. I mean, I'd love to help share and maybe once you get everything a little more formulated, you can come back on and, and we can, we can talk some more about that's what that correct. looks like. But I think it, it's an interesting point you make. I think there's a lot of connection to going back from your youth and you, you know, being a little rebellious, right? And then you get older and you get into addiction. There's obviously, there's some rebellious probably 
tied into that and and entrepreneurship right the the idea to believe from corporate America to do your own things you, you don't like being stuck in these little boxes that they're painted for you it it kind of all comes back to yeah. being somewhat of a rebel I'm sure so it it makes sense that those yeah. things all tied for you yeah it's well, I mean I've definitely been defiant and rebellious ever since I can I can remember this this point it's it's just allowing my uh, giving myself permission to to let that shine rather than to bottle it up and kind of close it off like like society has, has unfortunately told me to do so i'm i'm excited to let this site out yeah the the coaching to leave corporate america one is actually really intriguing the more it marinates in my head the more unique i think it sounds and you know, I think uh, I never heard of anything like that, like coaching for leaving your job, essentially. Um, that, that that could be a, a space that I think you could prosper with pretty well. I mean, obviously, the added that, to entrepreneur one as well. but Yeah, I, I think it works if you're an addict or alcoholic or not. I think, and actually, uh, you know, thinking of corporate America and, and addiction, I mean, some people, not all, but some people stay in corporate America because they are addicted and maybe not necessarily addicted to drugs or alcohol, but they're addicted to the paycheck. They're addicted to comfort. They're addicted to their comfort zone. They're addicted to, uh, you know, living in the known versus going out and living into the unknown. And, and so I, I, I think, you know, a lot of the lessons that I've learned just through uh, the act of recovering applies in this space in court, uh, coaching people out of corporate America, because I, I just I don't know that people really realize some of the addictions that are in progress with people who, who just stay and, and really, truly don't want to stay. Right. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of other things going on, but it but a lot of it could be just you know, the draw to, you know, some addictive tendencies. Totally. I I mean, I'm thinking about the times I've worked in corporate America. Uh, you know, there's going back to the, the, the core values of authenticity and, and transparency. And it's not something that corporate America lends itself well to, right? I mean, how many times have we, I think we've all been in corporate America. Have we been in a meeting and we know we need to point something out that isn't right? right on a pride and we don't do it because we know we know the nobody wants to hear it right yeah. uh and and it isn't going to go anywhere you know and, and 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 so we don't do it to keep our jobs to you know be compliant and ultimately that goes back to what you're saying it makes you almost live two lives and uh once yeah. you're not in alignment that way then it, it it becomes pretty easy to have addictions and other such uh things because you're not in alignment right yeah, I, I, I'm glad you brought up the word alignment because I, I do feel like any time that you're living two different lives, if people recognize yeah. it or not, they're not in alignment. And and yeah. for for me, maybe maybe other people can operate this way, but for me, if I'm not in alignment or if I'm not in authenticity, I don't feel well. And I don't exactly. You know, I, I'm I'm curious to talk to. All, you know, a lot of people who may want to leave corporate America, but just stay and they feel stuck. 
like yeah. this rings true with them if if they feel like they would be happier in alignment and really it's this this job or this path that they're on uh that keeps them out of alignment and and keeps them stuck i mean it's you know this whole process of of you know working at w2 and being in corporate america and then all of a sudden transferring to something else something unknown at this point is so painful but it's so worth it it, it you know it could take a very very long time to help somebody through that process but it's yeah. so every step of the way is so worth it but it's not easy it sucks <laughs> it's like, yeah yeah and you know, and I don't want to be a total corporate America basher here because I, I I've had some amazing experiences because of of my time in corporate America as well, you know, and, and built some great relationships. So it isn't all that, but there does come a point where you know we maybe want to break off, and it might not be for us. But so it, it, it's, yeah. it's just different strokes for different folks, right? But um, yeah, and there are some people that it makes complete sense to be in corporate America, and totally. and they find their jobs fulfilling, and that's great. So this conversation is yeah. just more geared towards the people like Josh and myself and and Louis that just didn't feel like they were in the right place there, and and were maybe Absolutely. at first scared to break exactly. off and do their own thing. But but the whole point is just do whatever makes you the best, most authentic version of yourself, and if that means stay in corporate America, then do it if, but if that means do yeah, something absolutely. else those options are there too yeah that's absolutely. that's not the target yeah. market if if somebody feels aligned in corporate america great stay there that's i mean yeah. that's 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 authentic to that person but if, if they don't feel aligned if they feel like they have to live two different lives they they can't say the things that they want to say they can't do the things that they want to do they they're overburdened by the corporate culture and requirements and all that kind of stuff and um they just don't feel like they're they are their authentic selves in that environment. Like that's exactly the person uh, mm-hmm. that that probably needs some help to to escape that environment. That's a great service you're going to be providing. So, Josh, we're getting to that point of the show where we like to ask our uh, standard rapid fire questions. So, right. um, start us off here. Can you give us a hack that you use in your life? Something that just you find to help you. Do things better. Uh, Jim, every morning, 5 a.m. Yeah. In addition to that, I try to do a miracle morning. My morning oh. is a little bit cut up. So I, I, I go to the gym, get my daughters ready for school, take them to school, and then I finish the miracle morning after that. That sets me on a, uh, a course that, that makes every day better. So now name a favorite. This could be a favorite band, book, movie, podcast, anything band comes to mind first there's a band that i'm absolutely obsessed with called perpetual groove i don't know if they're uh they're that. not too well known but i i love them yeah that's a good band what kind of music is it i i i'll admit i'm ignorant a <laughs> little bit of a jam band i don't know if they would take offense to me saying that but it just kind of a <laughs> jam band kind of funky huh have to check them out so what's uh one piece of advice you would give your 25 year old self action beats thinking oh that's good yes i have fallen i mean still at 43 i fall into that trap of 
thinking that I can think my way out or into situations and that never works for me. It's just, yeah. it's just doing that. Yeah. I love that one. Absolutely. Might be my favorite one yet, actually. <laughs> yeah. What do you think holds people back from being happy? Caring too much about what other people think. So Josh, if people want to know a little bit more about you, how can they reach out to you? Um, I'm on Facebook, LinkedIn, um, Instagram. Before we call it a wrap, is there anything else that we didn't discuss that you'd like to leave with the listener? Just the the last piece, uh, one of the last questions I just answered is just action over thinking. Yeah. I mean, that's that's really one that I just learned within the past two years. Being in corporate America, especially in banking and in, in the um, in the position that I was in, like everything was mental horsepower and if people really couldn't act on intuition or they couldn't act first, think afterwards. So it's like everybody had to come up with the exact correct um, thought process and decision right then and there instead of trying to suss out, you know, an answer or, or learn from experience type thing. And I recognize now in my life that uh, action is much more important than thinking. And um, I, I've been working with with my coach, Aaron Velke, now for a couple months, and he's really tapping into this and is having me tap into my intuition first and then, you know, using my thought process, mental health, horsepower afterwards. and that's helped a lot. So it's action overthinking and then also using intuition. Well, Josh, I can't thank you enough for coming on with us. I know you pulled you away from your family on a Saturday for a little while here, but man, this has been a lot of fun. And I think our listeners are going to get a lot of, a lot of good actionable advice from this. So we appreciate your time. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. We hope you've enjoyed the Wayfinder Show. If you got value from this episode, please take a few seconds to leave us a five-star rating and review. This will allow us to help more people find their way to live more authentic and exciting lives. We'll catch you on the next episode.